wonderful Radio Flanagan with me, Paul Flanagan. This is Night Talk. Are you receiving me? Over. So this is the Fab Four's French Frolic, Part Deux. And um, if you've not listened to Part uh, first, which I think is about two podcasts ago, so you need to skip back two podcasts, listen to the French yeah, Fab Four's French Frolic, Part uh, then come back, maybe listen to the Christmas special in between, and join the recording here and now. So we're going to call this Chapter One probably about chapter eight across the both of the podcasts about the trip to the south of france but it's going to be called chapter one this is the i am not a celebrity get me out of here incident <laughs> so this was the summer of 1983 and where we last left off it was thursday the 4th of august to be precise and we'd all met up that's dave and me and Mick and anthony we'd met up in a campsite in avignon yeah we did that last time anyway so we all met up in Avignon and uh, then it was decided um, where we were going to go <laughs> now I, I, again in, in terms of planning and how we actually worked all this out I can't remember how it was that we decided on where we were going to go you know who who picked the place and everything but in the end uh, we ended up getting a, a train from uh, Marseille to Toulon not a memorable journey really and that as far as I can remember and a bus to a place called Le Lavandou now uh, I, I do know that Le Lavandou at, at the time when I'm looking at some of the photographs there there was hardly anything there at all I mean this was like an undiscovered um, well apart from all the backpackers that were there it was basically undiscovered but it was kind of like a, a, a scrubby land piece of coastline down there in the south of France uh, so we got the bus to Le Lavandou and uh, we didn't know where we were going to stay or what we were going to do, but I, I definitely know that bit. We we definitely weren't that organised. So uh, the first thing we did was we headed off to um, a supermarket <laughs> to uh, to get some vittles, as it were. Um, and I remember the uh, down there and across France in general, they have these uh, what they call mammoth uh, mammoth supermarkets, which, as you might imagine, by the name. They sell extinct animals. No, they don't, no. It, it, it's huge. It, these huge supermarkets, mega supermarkets. That's just water, by the way. And um, mega supermarkets. And they sell um, all sorts of stuff. But they also sell lots of French wine as well, which is quite nice. Uh, particularly when they sell it in four packs, like bottles of wine, like clink, 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 you know, four packs, bottles of wine. Um, you know, fresh from the region, fresh trodden by the feet of French peasants. Mmm, you know, left with the dirty bits in as well. So um, so we got a couple of packs of those. And then we thought we'd, uh, you know, it was summer, the sun was out and it was nice. It was the south of France and biddy bon, biddy bon. But we needed somewhere to sleepy. So we decided, right, what, we, what, what are we going to do? So we ended up following um, a big crowd of people who were doing the same thing. And um, <laughs> so, I mean, seriously, we did because there was people just wandering around, wondering where to stay. And we went up this uh, lane, up this uh, to this field, and there was uh, an abandoned campsite there. So there was uh, signs on the gates uh, in uh, in Francais, which basically said that um, 
uh, due to health reasons uh, <laughs> this campsite had been um, you know closed down by the local government and the health reasons were that the the toilets and the shower blocks um, shall we say weren't fit for human habitation <laughs> Is putting it mildly. However, they were still usable. <laughs> so, um, you know, for the for those of us from the northeast of England, you know, a bit of muck, it didn't really matter, did it? You know, <laughs> we could cope with that. So there was this field, and um, the, I think it was the uh, again the probably the the last bit of decent grass down in the south of France, because nobody had been allowed into this field for months and months. But somebody had come along and uh, snipped the lock. There was like a big padlock and chain on the gate, and somebody had you know opened this gate, and all the people remember the um uh, the, the the northerners not us but the people from the north of France who come down to the south of France for their factory fortnight holiday. Well, uh, they'd come along with their, uh, you know, little campus and things, and uh, they were, you know, belligerent and revolutionary as, as the French can be from time to time, and they decided that um, uh, this is where we are going to stay in, in in French. Of course, that was just me, you know, doing a silly accent. So, um, cut the gate, cut the cut the lock in the thing, and we thought. Oh, this is nice. This is somewhere to stay because li literally the, uh, um, the the one or two other campsites that we passed were absolutely chocker with backpackers and people from the north of France, and and the place was all sold out. So so this was like further out on the edge of town, further out, further down the coast. So we settled down for the night. It was grand. Uh, we had uh, tins of gasoline, tins of ravioli. Remember ravioli? Jesus. Anyway, so and and these um, four packs of wine. So we had like eight bottles of wine between the four of us. And I, I have to say, even until this very day, that was the best night's sleep I've ever had. It was absolutely superb. It, it was like feather bedtime. <laughs> Good wine. I wish you could remember the. I wish you could remember the uh, the brand or the make of it. But yeah, so um, we settled down for a uh, an, an extremely alcoholic night. And um, and woke up the next morning. So it would be like you know, if it was a sort of traditional summer holiday, maybe Cliff Richard, dun, 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 or, or maybe dun, 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 none of those things. Um, it was more like uh, 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 uh. <laughs> that's the first thing I heard. The next the next thing I heard was um, shouting, and um, and it was the shouting of. Um, men with brusque French voices now I mean you know there could have been like um, maybe it was a town criers competition and they were just like practicing in this field or or maybe they were like you know sheep herding or something next door and they were just shouting at you know their French collie dogs in French but um, but no these were policemen and they were just and, and again I hadn't looked out the tent yet I was just sort of in, in, in sort of waking up and but they just they didn't seem like ordinary policemen they seemed like very angry policemen very angry and uh, we heard uh, all kinds of uh, you know, sort of um, French as it were <laughs> between arguments between um, um, you know what what I found out was an angry noisy policeman uh, when I eventually got out of the tent and some of the other people in the field um, but the thing that the thing, the thing that woke me up the thing that made me <laughs> I'm not a celebrity get me out of here was um, this machine pistol just came in the tent and just started, you know, banging the tent pole. So, so it was a good sort of six or seven inches inside the tent. That's all he saw. There was no, there was no body. There was, there was no. Um, uh, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, we're from the local constabulary, and we'd like a word with you. It was just a, a machine pistol inside the tent pole going. 
and ale, 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 and it's like, holy shit, <laughs> what the fuck? So, <laughs> so uh, it doesn't have soap you up as well. <laughs> so basically, it was like, a, oh my god, what's going on? So <laughs> I crawled out, massive, massive hangover. I mean, it was, and it, it, it must have been about 10 o'clock or something, and the sun was up and it was really warm. Massive hangover, police everywhere, guns drawn, and, and they were like pointing them at people as well. And uh, and it doesn't take, you know, the the international sign language of get out of this field, you're not allowed in here, was pretty evident, you know. You, you didn't have to speak French to know what was going on. But, however, our friends from the north, which was a, a very good TV programme, by the way, um, our friends from the north of France um, decided that um, they were going to argue the toss now with these uh, with these southern policemen with, uh, who were waving around their machine pistols. And, do you know, I, th I thought to myself... No, <laughs> just no, just like there's a man with a gun there. Now, he's got a uniform on, but he's actually annoyed. And and the strange thing is, was that it's not his field and he's just doing his job. And I know that he would rather be in somewhere else, probably sitting back at the office, drinking one of these bottles of nice French wine, you know, rather than being out here chasing tourists. So we literally... Uh, as I recall, um, in the same fashion that Dave and I dragged our kit off a French roundabout in um, just outside um, Lyon, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> we literally dragged our kit, um, pulled the tent down, just dragged it all out, out of this field, there into the lane that we'd walked up on. And we were um, sort of packing away the kit and everything um, so that we you know, clearly wouldn't get ourselves, um, wouldn't get ourselves shot and or arrested because, uh, you know, neither of those things uh, would be a good idea. And we watched the um, the circus uh, of um, the people from the north trying to, <laughs> trying to first of all, trying to negotiate, trying to make the police see reason, see reason. These these men had guns and they were pointing. I mean, there was no reasoning involved, and uh, it, it and it got more fractious. So he said, "I don't know what the word for fractious is in French. Somebody could tell me that if you would mind what fractious is in French." But it got more fractious, and uh, it was year close to tourists being arrested and and cars being shot up. But eventually, um, like some sort of a wayward gypsy caravan, you know, all these people were herded out of the field. And I don't know where they ended up, but um, they, they didn't end up with us. But in any event, that was the end of the I'm not a celebrity, get me out of here incident.
there we go. Chapter two. So at the end of chapter one, we were kicked out unceremoniously. People say that unceremoniously. Um, there wasn't so much a ceremony as um, as more of a, uh, a get out or shoot you. Basically, threat. It was so. It wasn't really. It wasn't really a, a ceremonious exit from this campsite. It was a threat. Get out, or we'll shoot you now. So we all thought we'll get out. You know, because we don't want to be shot. We've just got here. So, um, in basic survival instincts, uh, take hold, and you have to think about where are you going to stay next. Actually, the first thing was breakfast. <laughs> I remember breakfast. I think it was whatever we had left, and then oh yeah, because it was basically bread, because we couldn't set up the camp stove, so it was like bread. So we ate bread. Fantastic, fantastic breakfast. And then we decided that we'd have to find somewhere else to live, because um, we were going to be there for about two weeks. So we went off and uh, wandered down uh, the coast a little bit, and we ended up going down this sort of a sort of a track, um, and there was like there was like a campsite, a proper part of the campsite. Then there was the there was like a block uh, for the toilets and the showers, and then just by there there was like a a strip of land, like just sort of a rogue strip of land in between the shower blocks and the uh, and the trees, and then the, and then some field next door, and. This is where we got to live for two weeks. <laughs> and uh, the guy who ran the place, um, we um, we affectionately called him Fat Belly René. <laughs> That's because um, he looked like René from LOLO. <laughs> And he had a fat belly, <laughs> you know. It was, you know, we're not we're not proud of it, you know. It wasn't a, a difficult description. It was a, it was something that we called him, not to his face, obviously, but um, the fat belly. He didn't speak a word of English. Remarkably, you know, for somebody who was born and bred in the south of France, didn't speak a word of English. I found that highly insulting. <laughs> but we um we negotiated this patch of land. Now I'm looking at a photograph here, and this patch of land has got uh, it, it was it, it was just basically um, brown concrete in effect. It was mud of some description. But the last time it had seen rain was like four score and twenty year when the French dinosaurs were roaming the range or something. It was just iron. And we we and and uh, some of the tent pegs, in fact. Yes, that's right. If I look closely at the photograph, we haven't got tent pegs there. We've got some rocks because the ground was too hard to whack the tent pegs in. So we were um, in, and yeah, and it's funny. So if you remember from the um, from the uh, the part uh, I was describing the tents that um, uh, Mick and Anthony had, and that me and Dave had. So Mick and Anthony's is this uh, smaller, um, you know, sporty, lightweight tent. And then there's uh, my uh, tent, which uh, belonged to my brother Chris, which is like this mahoosive thing with a big sort of bell part for it at the back where you could hide a whole immigrant family or something. So, so it's like big, massive tent, small tent, and we had them uh, faced to each other um, so we could have a little uh, sort of camp, you know, campsite bit in the middle. And uh, oh gosh, yeah, look, it was fifteen francs per night each. Fifteen francs. Per night each, so so out of so what are four fifteens? Is it sixty? Or each? You know, uh, I suppose it is. Yeah. So we got sixty francs a night. Now I can't remember what the exchange rate is, but or was actually for francs as well. Yeah, gosh, nineteen eighty three. I don't know what the I don't know what the exchange rates uh, were, but um, I think he was getting a, a a good bit of money out of us for basically renting his piece of uh, uh, brown iron concrete. Um, although we did call him uh, uh, Monsieur Fatbelly René, uh, he was also 
Um, he was also known to us uh, for, uh, for one particular event one evening as, as Jim Morrison. Yeah, Jim Morrison. And I'll tell you why. Um, now, Dave and I had already experienced uh, a massive um, electric storm when we were um, <laughs> with Monsieur Michel Paris <laughs> uh, up, up above, uh, up in the mountains um, <laughs> a few nights before that. And, uh, and so we know what these storms were like down there. I mean, weird, weird, weird weather, uh, and, and but lovely skies as well. I remember at night, uh, with lots of the cheap bottles of wine, uh, we'd just lie there looking up and shooting stars because you're quite, you know, you were getting close south to the equator. You know, well, the south of France compared to like Teesside is much further south, isn't it? So, but shooting stars, and you'd see there, and I'd never seen shooting stars before. I'd never seen them when I was drunk as well. So it's a double first. <laughs> So yeah, so um, yeah, Jim Morrison. This is so cool. Now, if you remember the um, the last few pictures of of good old Jim um, when he was in Paris before he died, and he looked all sort of fat and bloated and hairy, that was more or less what Fat Belly really looked like. Um, but he 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 compounded his um, uh, the view we 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 were led to believe from this particular incident that uh, he was in fact uh, Jim Morrison reincarnated uh, because another one of these storms took place and it was literally this is probably the first rain that had in donkey's years and it was absolutely lashing down I mean it was punishing putting holes in the concrete brown around us and um thunder and and now you know in the uk or most places around with thunder and lightning all comes together doesn't you know thunder and lightning here there was like thunder and then and then you know high pressure you could feel the pressure you could feel the hairs on the arms and the back of your neck it's all you know and and for those of us who suffer from headaches and things i don't know if anybody does but you know when the pressure changes i'd get massive headaches like that um, and the so we had thunder pressure changes all hairs on the arms headaches stuff like that and then the lightning oh my god it was like sheet lightning and it was like it did literally light the sky up and it was mahoosive and then there was the sheet lightning and then the rain and <laughs> this is why he was Jim Morrison he took a chair out. Now he had he he lived on the edge of the on the of the block thing, so he had a, like a permanent place to be, a permanent place to live. But he took a chair out, and he sat in the storm, right? And it wasn't just any chair; it was a steel chair. <laughs> so so Jim Morrison, aka Fat Billy Rennie, took this steel chair and sat in the middle of this electric storm. It was just, and we were looking out the tent and we were like, yes, Jim, that is Jim, all right, yeah. And so we had a few glasses of red wine to him and got safely back inside. <laughs> but he was, he was so cool. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was probably um, the, the coolest guy that, uh, that we ever, that we ever met on there. But, um, but yeah, that is why he was um, Monsieur uh, Fat Belly Rennie, a.k.a. Mr. Jim Morrison. And that was indeed the end of the um, Jim Morrison incident.
Ou alors, bonjour, bonjour. C'est chapter 3, n'est-ce pas? <laughs> I don't know what... What is chapter in French? Chapter 3... Look, anyway, chapter 3, here we go. Now, we were down there for two weeks. So, uh, you know, we'd arrived there one day, we'd got kicked out of a field, we'd found Fat Belly René, and we found this piece of hard Iron Age land to live on for two weeks. It's 15 francs per night each. And um, I have very little detail of what we actually did down there. <laughs> I've got some cool photographs. Remember, I only had, like, my little plastic camera with, like, 36 uh, shots in it. And so... Um, I had to be very particular about what photographs I was going to take, um, and I've got some. Well, and uh, in the in the uh, in the album, I've got four photographs that are called "Missing About in the Sun and Sea," and uh, it's got uh, there's uh, me and Dave. In fact, I'm not in them because I'm taking the bloody things. But uh, so there's Dave and Mick and Anthony, and we're down by the um, by the sea side beside the sea. So we're down, and and the sea looks so nice as well. Uh, we're down on the rocks. Um, uh, and they're all they're all stripped off to their, uh, um, you know, tops off and everything. And we're we're in the sea, and we're also playing with sea anemones and strange things. You know, when you were at school, and well, when we were at school, uh, we'd uh, get taken out to the seaside, um, in the northeast of England. We used to go to um, Staithes or um, what's the other one? Um, not Whitby. I can't remember what the other one was. You used to go to Staithes anyway, and they used to take you for these natural coastline adventures, and you have your little, uh, you know, cheat sheet of little animals to look for, you know, sea whelks and, you know, dinosaurs and sea 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 anemones. That was a great one because that was the word you could no, nobody could say sea anemones. Anyway, so um, we found some sea anemones. Anemones, probably what they say in France. I, I, I don't really know, but anyway, so uh, there's a picture of uh, Mick and Anthony uh, examining, examining some poor little creature thing that um, that I think Anthony's just prized off a rock somewhere. So, um, yeah, and I think there's a... Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. I took some pictures, or I think one of them took a couple of pictures of me uh, behind the um, behind the campsite. Remember, the, uh, the, the tent was on some hard brown iron next to some... Uh, trees which led onto some field which which basically led led off towards the cliff and down to the coastline so we were literally renting the edge of nowhere uh, what a great name for a band renting the edge of nowhere i'm keeping that by the way if i ever hear a band called renting the edge of nowhere i'm after you mark this date it's sometime in december when this goes out december 2018 if there's a band that comes after this called renting the edge of nowhere i'm gonna be all over you okay so anyway so um uh, there's a oh we did a panoramic thing yeah this is well before uh, the the, uh, the panoramic function was on cameras and so I think I can't remember who took this photograph now I was saying stand there take the photograph of me then just turn the camera slightly to the left and then take the other photograph so so we've got this sort of panoramic thing at the coastline and me off to the left I'm actually standing behind um, a load of what looked like uh, the French gorse bushes 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 uh, anemones <laughs> bushes just fucking prickly bushes that's what they are so I'm standing there and I, I've got my top off as well and it, it looks like I'm probably having a crap or something I don't know what's going on in that, but, uh, but I'm kind of looking backwards and it's pretty sh it's pretty clear that it's an English tourist and it was early in the days that we were down there because you have the blue sea behind me you have the green bushes in, in front of me and this is like white stick <laughs> that's me <laughs> standing in the middle uh, looking looking very obvious 
so I think for the time that we were down there, I think we spent a lot of time um, just playing around um, on the uh, on the beach and eating and drinking and uh, and, and relaxing as well. Because remember, it was a it was a bit of a hike getting down there. The one day trip we did a day a day trip to um, to Monaco. Uh, that was fun actually. Um, I got some. I took ooh ooh. How many photographs did I take in Monaco? Three. <laughs> three photographs so let's go to three out of 36 that's what sort of percentage is that well anyway you work it out but that must mean that Monaco was really important you know I took three pictures there uh, one is taken outside the the palace there's a palace in Monaco yeah there is yeah and um it looks like uh, there's uh these guards there um in red and white little boxes you know uh, they're standing outside of, of the palace looks very impressive then I've got a one um a photograph from somewhere along the top looking down over the beer with all these yachts and everything bearing in mind this is 1983 little did i know a few years later i'd be on a yacht somewhere trying to take it down to the uh, south coast of spain but we've i think i talked about that a few podcasts ago tonight so you're gonna have to scroll back and uh, i can't remember what i called it it was a rambling podcast about rambling and uh and yeah i described the um uh the trip the sailing trip down to um uh, down to the uh down down to where down to southern spain yeah mm. pardon me <clears throat> it's very thirsty work this isn't it so um yes and put the best photograph which i think the photograph is that i have on the um on the little icon badgy thing for this podcast it is me now at this point this must be towards the end of the holidays because i am looking brown there boy i am looking brown and i'm sort of like doing this pause like that uh, you know uh, arms sort of leant against a wall and the view behind me is overlooking the bay now the, the view that you get um when the tv cameras used to do the uh, the monaco grand prix and they probably still go to this spot actually um it's you can see the front of the hotel is on the left hand side and then when uh, it goes around the edge of the bay and, and the cars go into the tunnel well this is where the cameras would stand and that's the picture you would get and uh, we we stumbled across this one by accident i think we were just wandering around looking for something to do you know as because we were in monaco and um it's not cheap <laughs> it wasn't cheap then it isn't cheap now and so uh you know after spending 15 francs uh each per night um to be in the presence of jim morrison um we were a bit strapped for cash you know we probably got the return fare to um i don't know where we got all this money from as well to be honest with you i mean uh, yeah i mean i worked behind the bar in the catholic club back home but i don't know where i got all this cash from anyway um yeah so we um we were in Monaco, and this photograph is me just standing there posing with all of the uh, the beer behind me. It's very nice, it's very, very good. I mean, I should try and put it on my passport photograph, but I'm a little bit older now. <laughs> I don't think I can get away with it. And um, <laughs> in my in my photo album as well, you know, if, if doing a podcast now is a trendy thing to do now at this time of life, telling you about all these things, I did some silly things as well. I sent a postcard to myself. So <laughs> I did. Uh, I posted a postcard from Monaco to myself. It's got a lovely stamp on. It's got flowers on, and it's from the and it's uh, a postcard. The Principality de Monaco, and uh, the front of it is La Porte, la piscine et Monte Carlo. Sorry about the um, the, the wordage there, but um, what I've said is this is this is so this is a postcard that I've written to myself in 1983, posted from Monaco back to Teesside in England and it says what a wheeze here I am in Monaco but then I suppose you already knew that 
The weather is a bit dull at the moment, but you were in that storm last night, weren't you? <laughs> Sorry for the gross, the gross card. Abianto, me. <laughs> so, I sent a postcard to myself in 1983. <laughs> ah, so, the madness, the madness, the madness was, was there for years. I mean, the thing is, I've always been like this, always, ever since I was a small boy. And, uh, you know, now you get the opportunity. I've done blogging before in the past. Blogging was all right. But the, the, the whole communication thing is, um, with podcasting, is absolutely brilliant. So, you know, I can sit down and I can blather on and I can tell you about all these exciting things that I got up to when I were a lad. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, this is uh, such a cool idea. So this is one of them. So there we were in Monaco. Um, and one of the things that I do remember, actually, we walked up this side street and uh, this this is strange now. So uh, this is j literally just off the, um, the main drag of where all the boats were, the posh hotels, up a little side street. And there was a music shop there that sold musical instruments. That in itself was a little bit strange. Uh, but they sold these, um, I remember going in and having a go, uh, they sold synthesised drums. So this is 1983, so we're, we're talking 80s now, so we're talking electronic music and synthesizers, and so, uh, you know, all these uh, uh, um, you know, Duran Duran and New Wave and other other bands there were out there with their little um, electric synth, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, God, I can't remember all these people now. Just Google, like, 1980s electronic music, you'll find loads of people. But they had these um, synthesized drums, so I went in and... Uh, and um, it actually had foolishly uh, a pair set up for demonstration. I don't know why they thought that a music shop up a side street in Monaco was going to attract people. <laughs> but um, it probably didn't last very long. But the drums. <laughs> if my rucksack had been big enough, they would have been in there. But. Um, but that was probably the uh, one of the strange lights. There's a, it wasn't a high light, it wasn't a low light. It was kind of a strange light, you know. Music shop, side street in Monaco, synthesised drums. But um, yeah, that was probably the the biggest kind of um, little little uh, trip outside of uh, being around a lavender that we did. And uh, and sure enough, I think that uh, we now find that that was the end of the um, Monaco incident. So I face the final curtain. Yes, indeedy. It is chapter four, the final curtain. It's the final countdown. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Was who did that? Europe, was it? I don't know. Anyway, um, so yeah, so uh, two weeks down in the south of France, staying with Jim Morrison, a.k.a. Fat Belly Rene, um, on his superb piece of uh, land, which he probably didn't belong to him at all, really. <laughs> but uh, it was probably belonged to the council or something, but he was just raking money off uh, fools like ourselves. But, yeah, it was a fantastic holiday at the Fab Four's French Frolic down to the south of France. Uh, the hitch down was amazing. Um, the stay there was superb, even though I know I haven't got many details of it, but the um, the stay down there was excellent. Got an amazing suntan. Um, I'm, I'm looking at pictures of when I came back home, actually, um, standing uh, next to my sister in, in, in the backyard at home. Uh, apparently it had been a hot summer in England that year. She looks white, and I am looking like 
Brown, I'm looking like Mr. Cool, he's out of school. I'm a man with a tan. <laughs> uh, it was very good, but let's take us back to the final part of our journey. So uh, it's now Friday, the 19th of August, 1983. Check your calendars, please. And so in reverse order, we, from the Lavendu, we took a bus to, Lu to Toulon. Um, and now we decided that um, the hitch down had been interesting. It had certainly been eventful uh, and it had been quite tiring as well. Um, so uh, we'd managed to um, uh, pull money together and we decided to get uh, train tickets back to Calais because we thought, you know, we've we've done what we came out, you know, we, we, we've achieved what we wanted to do. Hitching back would be just going back the same way we came down. Well, it probably wouldn't be, actually. We probably ended up in some strange places, but um, it, we didn't want to ruin the adventure by, uh, you know, having some kind of, like, you know, awful trip hitching back north again. Uh, so we decided to get the train to Calais and uh, change it. Oh, no, we changed it at Marseille, and that's what, yeah, and then got the, um, the express up to Paris. Now... Um, so the express uh, going to Paris this was a, a big train it was massively packed I mean like everybody who was everybody including all the people in the north of France who were now going back home to go back to work to their little factories and all those backpackers who were uh, suddenly deciding that uh, oh I've got a college or a university to go back to I really should go now <laughs> so we were all on this train heading north so there was no seats and the corridors were, were full and the only place you could get a seat was uh, if you went into the uh, the buffet car. That's the buffet car. <laughs> so we went in there and uh, we thought that we'd be clever and that we'd um, we'd buy a oon sandwich and share it between four of us for like 400 miles or something or you know, however long it is to get up to, uh, to Paris from Marseille. Or however long the journey was. I can't even remember how long the journey was. Um... Let's have a look. What, what, oh no, I haven't got the train time down there. No. Anyway, um, so yeah, so uh, but the but the food in the buffet car. I mean, they must they must have known that uh, you know the this 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 is the last bit of food that you're going to get for like several hundred miles. So we'll just charge you a bazillion francs and laugh in your little faces when you buy it. <laughs> so we bought a bottle of water. Um, and there was four of us sat at a table with a bottle of water. Now, the buffet car was getting full of people, and uh, and the guy behind the counter, Monsieur Loueta, uh, he was giving us the evils, because uh, <laughs> he wanted us off the table, because there was people that, that were going to spend un arm and un leg uh, to buy a, you know, jambon. <laughs> uh, you know, ham and cheese sandwich, and uh, just, to, just to sit down and so he could laugh at them. But we we thought no 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 we we've done the obligatory legal thing we've purchased something we've sat down if it's going to be one bottle of water that we're going to share till the last drops evaporate before we get to Paris and that's what we were going to do and we did um, but during the journey um, an American lady came in and when I say when I say American lady she was far far older than us she must have been ooh in her thirties you know complete old lady. <laughs> And uh, she was on a, um, uh, she was on a journey, wasn't she? She was doing Europe. Uh, well, uh, looking at the state of her, uh, I reckon she probably did. Hey, <laughs> but um, no, she was travelling around Europe, um, you know, um, writing down her experiences, and uh, she started to kind of like interview um, the four of us. So. God knows what we told her. I mean, if we told her some of the things that I've told you, then. Um, 
I'm surprised there's not a movie being made about it already because, you know, to be honest, I think some of the stuff that I got up to has been great. But anyway, so um, if you're listening, love, um, you get in touch. <laughs> You're probably 20 million years old by now. You know, who knows? And, uh, you know, you, you might have written a, a travel adventure book and there, there would have been this, this section of it where you met these four strange uh, tanned English men on the train going back who, who told you about that they met Jim Morrison in a storm and uh, and that they, uh, they drank lots of wine and got uh, chased out with, with police guns. Who knows? <laughs> You might have made it all up and said it happened to you as well. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to go searching. I'm going to Google these couple of stories later on. Jim Morrison's storm and, uh, you know, police tents and, uh, you know, machine pistols. And we'll just see. We'll see. We, we'll see who's got... Anyway, hey, look, just waffling now. So, yeah, so that was probably the most interesting part of that journey. Um, the bottle of water got lower and lower as you passed it around. It was kind of like a, like a Ouija board thing, this bottle moving around the table. <laughs> So eventually, um, we got up to Calais, and I think we got the um, the two o'clock. I don't think I've got it written down. Actually, look, it's here. We got the two o'clock in the morning ferry to Dover, and we arrived in Dover at two thirty in the morning on Saturday morning, the twentieth of August, in the year of our Lord one thousand nine hundred eighty-three. And we slept in Dover Priory Park again uh, until about half past six in the morning. Um, now I don't have any pictures of any of this, but I've got I've got a a, a list of little hitchhikes that um, that we did, um, which means nothing to anybody. But I'll just ramble through them. So we got a van plus three of the hitches at eight o'clock in the morning to an M2 service station, okay, and then I asked for a lift off the M2. Ah, oh, that's as bad as that. Do you remember? And um, the Fab Four's French Frolic Part uh, when me and Dave were stuck out in the middle of nowhere, and I I, I committed the uh, the cardinal sin of hitchhiking. I got down to my knees and I begged for a lift. Well, this is even worse. I I mean, and, and this would have been in English as well, in my own country, asking for a lift off the M2. Oh my God! So uh, we got a lift off the M2, and it went around the M25, and a little bit uh, to the A127 turn off to Southend. Oh yeah. It's funny. It's funny actually, because um, I live not too far from all these places now that I'm looking at them. I go, oh, I know that turn off. <laughs> and then we got a lift of two girls uh, to Dishworth Roundabout. Now, um, uh, Dishworth was one of those places on the A1 uh, going up and down, uh, up and down the country. The A1, A1M, one of the main arterial roads north and south in England. And at that time, it still had lots of roundabouts. Now they've taken away the roundabouts. Dishworth Roundabout was the turn off to um, to Teesside to that part of the northeast of England and it was uh, I've always said um, whilst it was still a roundabout and still existed it was the most hitchable place on earth you could get a lift if you had no arms that's how good it was I've had lifts there literally within seconds getting out of one cab of a lorry getting into another one um, and, and it was just perfect you had uh, these grassy kind of like lay-by things where things could pull into people could see you from miles away it, it was just perfect and uh, it's now not there anymore which is sad uh, we eventually got a lift in a Datsun this was the last lift so congratulations to Datsun um, <laughs> on the um, Saturday the 20th of August 1983 the last lift for me and Dave on the Fab French Frolic was a Datsun and he took us to a place called Gypsy Lane uh, which um, Gypsy Lane at Nthorpe which is near Middlesbrough and um, I've got the last picture of Dave on the trip there uh, 
and there we are. Marooned at Gypsy Lane Railway Station, Nunthorpe, 20th of August, 1983. <laughs> With his face fungus fully recovered, Dave's expression says it all. We're back then. And he looks so hacked off that we're back. <laughs> but what a trip. So there you go. That is the Fab Four's French Frolic. End of chapter four. End of journey. End of podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, as I usually say, I know I did. <laughs> but yeah, let us know. Send us a message. Say hello. Get involved. Um, and yeah, if you want to um, hook up and be co-hosts or we'll guest on each other's programmes and all that kind of podcasty stuff, please do. I'd be interested in other people's journeys, hitchhiking journeys and travels from the past and that kind of thing. So yeah, there we are. Fab Four's French Folic Part de Seveny. the show from wonderful Radio Flanagan and me Paul Flanagan I hope you've enjoyed it I know I have (laughs) and um, well I'll uh, catch you next time on wonderful Radio Flanagan